Okay, guys, I know y'all tuned into another episode today of Hot Takes with TP3. Before we get things started, um, we got a quick word from our sponsors. The first sponsor of today's episode is Prize Picks. I don't know if y'all are familiar or not with Prize Picks platform and how it works. If you download the app and you use promo code TP3BETS, you will receive a 100% instant match deposit of up to $100. So you deposit $100, you get $100 back. Let's say you deposit $50, you get $50 back, and so on and so forth. Um, how it works, guys, you pick two to six players, and if they'll go over or under their projections, more or less, um, you get up to 25% or 25 times your money on that. Let's say tonight you want to pick Luka Doncic to go over 28.5 points, LeBron over 7.5 rebounds, Dalvin Cook over 86.5 rush yards, and let's say you want to go with Jameis Winston under 205 pass yards, something or other like that, guys. It offers a ton of sports. That means you can have NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football. The list goes on, on, and on. They even have tennis, NASCAR, Anything you could possibly want, it is on there. I promise, guys. Prize Picks is available in your state. Download the app to check and make sure it's in your state. Once again, use code TP3BETS. It takes about 60 seconds to pick everything and deposit. It's easy withdraw, easy deposit. Once again, use code TP3BETS if you want to sign up for Prize Picks. Guys, our second sponsor for today's podcast is Alloy Sports. Look, I know a lot of y'all have listened to our podcast for a long time, but y'all are probably wondering by now where I get my stats and trends from. Well, if you want to build winning systems and use trends and stats like I do, download the Alloy Sports app. The app, the link is in my bio on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at TP3Bets. Go click on it. Download it, guys. I promise, guys, it will help you guys bet like a pro. If y'all want to use the same trends and everything I do, download it now. Alloy Sports, once again, that's A-L-L-O-Y. S-P-O-R-T-S, Alloy Sports. Y'all go download it and give them a listen. How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Once again, I'm your host, Thomas Penland, coming to you on Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. I'm joined, as always, by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to the people. What's going on? What's going on? Uh, how was your week last week? Um, I haven't talked to you much. Week was week was very up and down, honestly. I mean, it was a good time spending some time with family. Um, betting wise, you know, it was it was all right. I was on the on some just absolutely brutal bad beats, which continued into last night as well. You know, losing by the hook, never fun, but not bad in all. Ben, um, what about you? How about your week? Not bad. Thanksgiving was good. Um, that Eagles game on Sunday night football was thrilling. Like there was just points, 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 uh, which is incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of go over everything else in terms of ob- observations on this podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, I guess it's been, didn't bring it up. I'll be the one to bring it up. Ben, what happened in our, uh, fantasy matchup this week? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Justin Jefferson pretty much just took me down solo. Um, I think Ben did beat yeah. me earlier this season, though. So we're one and one against each other. Are you going to make the playoffs? I think I'm like fringe, to be honest with you. Okay, yeah. I mean, I was I was fringe. I think now I think I'm in like a big tie for second place, basically. But yeah, it's that time of year in fantasy. We're sweating out at the end of the year. I actually had another fantasy matchup I was texting Ben about where I had uh, I was up by 25 points and the guy had Jalen Hurts left. And I was like, dude, I think I got this. And what do you know? Jalen Hurts runs for 100 yards in the first quarter and I don't have it. After you that. are in the playoffs. 97% chance. I'm 62% chance. Okay. 
hey, maybe we get a little first round matchup then in the playoffs. Would nothing I would love more than that. Um, but anyway, guys, today's podcast, we're gonna talk about the US soccer. No, I'm kidding, we're not talking about US soccer, although shout out to them for getting it done today. Today we are going to talk about our observations, as Ben said, and get y'all ready for what's gonna be a huge weekend of college football. Ben, take us away. Let's do it. Uh, first one. It is great to be a Michigan Wolverine. They come back, go into their rival's house, and flat out embarrass them. Now, you texted me when it was, I think, 10-3 Ohio State. You're like, Michigan looks completely outmatched. I responded to you. I said, don't disrespect Michigan because you know they're the more physical team. They were. Two Ohio State State receivers. Now, listen, Travion Henderson didn't play. Uh, you can't even include Jackson Smith and Jigba anymore. He has five catches all season. For Ohio State fans, when we didn't have Jackson Smith, you haven't had him all season. So, And he's not playing for the rest of the season. So I'll tell you that. Um, not having Trayvon Henderson is a big loss, though, because uh, any kind of um, negative impact to depth at running back is, is bad mm-hmm. for any team. So I'll say that's a loss, but Michigan didn't have Blake Corum. Yeah, he, I was about to say. He barely played. So yeah. Blake Corum means a hell of a lot more to Michigan than, than Trey Van Henderson does to Ohio State. Um, so just a couple like quick stats that I that I looked up after the game. Ohio State's two best receivers that played both mm-hmm. had over 100 yards. They both meant absolutely nothing. The craziest stat was Michigan's offense only had one trip to the red zone against Ohio State, yet they scored 45 points. So back in the offseason, Ohio State's biggest change in their coaching staff was bringing in Jim Knowles, who was excellent at Oklahoma State. Jim Knowles is now 0 for 1 because he pretty much has two big games a year, and he went 1 and 1 and got embarrassed in the one loss, um, you know, Penn State being the win. Well, what do you He's think it was and- with those with those pass plays? Do you think Michigan was just, ske- was just out-scheming Ohio State, or do you think they were busted coverages? Because, I mean, those guys were running so open, it was insane. Yeah, probably a mix of both. Um, I think Michigan runs the ball so well that mm-hmm. I think it's a real test to like, uh, you hear it all the time when, um, yeah. Herb Street is talking, talks about eye discipline from linebackers. If you just bite a little bit, these tight ends and, and running backs that just flare out, um, you know, it can be, if you tackle them right on impact, it's only like a three, four yard game. But if you miss that one tackle, they can go, I think it's a combination of, of, uh, out getting out schemed. Uh, lack of eye discipline on the defense from Ohio State and just broken coverage. I mean, but listen, broken coverage has happened in college football. Yeah. These are 18, 19-year-old kids for the most part. Uh, obviously, if you're a junior, senior, you're 2021. But a lot of these like big-time programs have a good mix of young and um, older guys. So it, it can be a lack of communication. It, I, I, Michigan's just, man, like I think every big game they go into – um, which they've only really had one so far, I guess, you know, Penn State. But I'm saying for Ohio State and then moving mm-hmm. forward, um, not kind of the Big Ten championship. I think they're going to be doubted tremendously. They're not a great throwing team. You'll hear. Um, I think when you know you're the more physical team and when you play like the more physical team, I don't think that matters. I think Michigan knows they can run the ball and they're going to try to run the ball down your throat. Now, it did not work against Georgia last year. Um, and it did work against Ohio State last year, worked against them this year again, even though McCarthy threw the ball exceptionally yeah. well. I, they're going to do it until proven wrong. So 
I, I think the game plan is pretty simple going up against Michigan. You got to stop the run. Um, you still have to make J.J. McCarthy throw to beat you, but I think he did just prove that he can throw to beat you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I really feel like that Ohio State really just, you know, like you said, they packed the box, gave everybody one-on-one coverage. They said, if you're going to beat us through the air, do it. And J.J. McCarthy said, sounds and, good, big, buddy. But the big difference is, remember, Michigan didn't have their best receiver all of last year. Ronnie Bell was, he, mm-hmm. I think he tore his ACL last year. And I don't know, can't remember what he did in the game this uh, this year, but having him on the field can definitely open up, um, you know, more looks for everyone else. For sure. Um, no, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. Uh, let's just keep on that game. So what are your thoughts on Ryan Day at this point? Now, um, you know, the, the random Twitter fans, I think they know everything. They think they can coach, um, have flirted with the idea of maybe trying to upgrade from him. Um, his record is insane how good he is, but since he took over against top 10 teams, he's one in five. Yeah, so, you know, let's think back about these matchups he's had against top 10 teams. So, obviously, the first one he had against top 10 team was against um, was against Clemson, which he ended up – that was with Ju- – so, he was the coach I think they there lost the first one against yeah, Clemson. They, correct, yeah. They, so, they lost the first one. That's 0-1. Then they beat Clemson the second time. And then they had all those players ruled out for COVID, which I don't think it still would have mattered. Alabama still would have beat them. So, then, other than that, I guess they Michigan. played – Yeah, Michigan. Michigan twice. Michigan twice, and then uh, Michigan State, were they not in the top 10 when they played them with Kenneth Walker? They may not have been. Wait, yeah, oh, they, hold on. I may, is that that wrong now? Because he beat Clemson once, and then he – oh, wait, no, they lost to Michigan last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Michigan State was. I guess they were. I think you are right because I know they lost, They beat Michigan, but I think they got upset by somebody. So, you know, they may have been like number 11 or 12. Wasn't it just it – was, it was Michigan twice, Clemson twice, and Alabama once. Yeah, I think you're right about. Yeah, I think I guess Michigan State was probably ranked like 12th or 11th, but they definitely were up there high. But yeah, you know, um, look, the playoff games. You know, he's. I mean, think about it. His record in the playoff. You know, in the first round, he's one and one. Okay, national championship. I'll give him a pass on that. Losing twice to Michigan. You know, um, I think losing by that much at home is more than just a loss. I mean, wh- who's a, what's Ohio State going to go out? Like, who are they going to go out and hire that's going to do a better job than him? That's my question. Yeah, see, I mean, no one. I mean, <laughs> exactly. He's doing, a great, like, he's doing a great job. Yeah, he's doing just a fine job. Um, like, I think you just got to be patient. I think they that's just got something caught. That these, that these yeah. teams don't have, you know? Like, look at Michigan. They were, they're patient with Jim Harbaugh. I mean, we discussed on this podcast probably three separate times, Ben. Is this going to be his last year? Is he going back to the NFL? Is he going to the booth? What's he doing? He said, no, nah, I'm staying right here and I'm getting the Final Four. Well, he did try to go to the NFL, though. <laughs> yeah, he did take the interview with the Vikings. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. He's he he's a good coach. He obviously recruits very well. Um, I can't wait for the day Ohio State loses Brian Hartline, though, because that'll affect Ohio State recruiting. Mm-hmm. That that'll be the biggest impact uh, in terms of negative impact that Ohio State could possibly have is when their best recruiter, who gets all of these receivers, yeah, uh, leaps. Um. Let's move on to some Heisman talk before we kind of talk about some plays um, and some new coaches. I don't need to ask you who wins the Heisman now. If you look at any odds book, it's pretty, it's, there's a huge favorite in Caleb Williams. Who gets invited to New York if you have the vote? Let's say there's four guys that get invited. Okay. So if I have four invites, Caleb Williams, Max Duggan, those two are, are off the rip. 
Um, I think you have to invite CJ Stroud. I mean, realistically, they lost one game. Yeah, it was against their biggest opponent, but it's one loss. And then, you know what? I'm doing it out of the kindness of my heart, man. I'm inviting Hinden Hooker. I think that he had a hell of a season. I mean, he was the favorite at one point in time late in the season. I think you got to invite him. Yep. I said that um, last podcast when I would get, you know, when we were mm-hmm. giving him shout outs for the heck of a season he had. Um, I have the same three. Um, Duggan, or I'm sorry, Caleb Williams, Duggan, Stroud. That that would be my order as well. Um, I think Bijan Robinson could get an invite. He is um, the clear front runner for best player on his team and yeah. in, in biggest impact on his team. His numbers are ridiculous. I actually looked him up today. Um, in certain categories, obviously, it depends on what you look at, but he is the best running back in the country. Um, I don't think I need stats to say that this guy is an absolute stud. I would just give it to him just to just to get a non quarterback invited. Um, that that would be that would be my invite. He's not going to win it, obviously. Um, let's move on. All. South, do you have one more thing? Yeah, should we talk about Stroud's draft stock real quick while we're on the game? Uh, I'm gonna we'll get that coming up. We'll get that. Okay. Up. Um, South Carolina beat Clemson. And not only do they beat Clemson, Clemson, Clemson's home win streak of 40 games is over. And DJ sucks. Straight up embarrassing. Um, look, I think there's going to be a lot of changes at Clemson. I think that their offensive room is not – I mean, Tony Elliott, in my opinion, is probably one of the worst coaches in all of Power 5 college football. The fact that uh, Virginia stuck with him now and they probably don't have the money to buy him out sucks for them, but – the offensive coordinator now, I can't think of his name. I mean, it was I, the guy that was promoted from within. Yeah, I think he's got to go. I mean, I just think this whole quarterback room, they don't know what they're doing. The good news is, though, I believe his name, it's is it Jeff Scott? The uh, he was the U.S. He was their offensive coordinator with Deshaun and everybody. And then he and Trevor Lawrence, he's the USF head coach. He just got fired. So, I mean, if I'm Dabo, I say get the hell on out of here and I bring Jeff Scott back in. But ultimately, I think for Clemson, they have all the players. They have everything. They just need someone new in there, you know, to run the offense. It's kind of like what we said with Texas A&M. You have everything. Now you need a more modern offense. I really think that not only that, but I also think unless they don't make a change, that DJ has got to get the hell out of there. Because I still think DJ, I mean, he shows some flashes of being a good quarterback, and he shows some flashes of being a bad quarterback. I think if he goes to a system that's more favorable with a coach that's better at developing QBs, I think that could do a lot more for him. So I actually – don't know if I agree on they have the players. Um, and I've probably watched five mm-hmm. Clemson games from start to finish all year. They don't have the receiver talent that they had just a couple of years ago. They don't have a Justin Ross. They don't have a T. Higgins. They don't have an Amari Rogers. Like their quarterback play is not even close to what they've been. Kate mm-hmm. Klubnick, I know he's a true freshman. You're not always going to look good, but he's definitely had his moments of looking pretty solid and then moments of like, do you know what you're doing? Yeah. DJ always looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. And I don't think their offensive line is as physical as they used to be, to be honest with you. I, teams are catching up to Clemson. And I think it could be a one to two year spurt. I don't think they're uh, done from being from the uh, among the elite list mm-hmm. at, by any means. I think they need, I think they need like an attitude change. I, I, I don't think they were as physical as they used to be. I don't think their receivers created the separation they used to create. Uh, obviously, that makes it harder for your quarterback. He's got to make tighter throws, but it all comes down to DJ, who is just not it. He's not it. He's not getting it done at Clemson. He's not uh, mm-hmm. living up to 
the uh, the best or second best quarterback that he was at high school. That he was the talent's there. We talked about it with Rattler after the game against Tennessee. When you're that recruited, you can always just go off somewhere. I think he's got to get out of Clemson. I think it's just a it's a mutual divorce. He goes somewhere, most likely back to the West Coast, where maybe he feels a little bit more comfortable in those offenses. And uh, and DJ and Clemson just moves forward with Kate Klubnik. Yeah, I agree. I think DJ's got to get out of there. Um, let's play a little game. You ready? Ready. We're gonna do grade that higher. Okay. Okay. Ole Miss staying with Lane Kiffin and giving him a contract extension. I think A plus. I mean, he's taking this program to new heights that we haven't really seen. So I got to give him an A plus. Yeah, I'm going to give him an A. I don't know if he's already hit his ceiling there. I'd love to see if he can try to compete for an SEC West title. I unfortunately don't see that. But I think it's great news for Ole Miss to keep a guy who just got off 10 wins, who you know can recruit in the uh, transfer portal very well. Um, And he's obviously an offensive-minded guy. So Hugh Freeze going to Auburn. Um, I'm also going to give that one an A, you know, I, I, I like Hugh Freeze. I mean, let's, let's not forget Hugh Freeze did beat Alabama multiple times. So, you know, I think that, I think Hugh Freeze is one of the better coaches. I mean, he basically got run off for immoral things that he did. I mean, look what he did. I mean, he's also like a good player development coach. You know what I mean? Cause when he went to Ole Miss, he really kind of put Malik them Willis. back on the map. Well, yeah. Like look at Malik Willis look what he's done with some of these other guys, you know, like he's really good at developing talent. Now, when you think, so like, when you think about it, Auburn gets in all this talent. And now you're going to have a guy who's going to develop it. That's something scary in the SEC. I'm going to give it a B plus. Um, I think there are many flaws that come with, that comes with Hugh Freeze. I don't think they're, some are obviously obvious. I Mm -hmm. think some are down the road. Um, I've been reading some stuff that he's not the easiest coach to work with. Um, I have, I have read a ton that players love this guy. So I do think he's going to be able to recruit pretty well. Um, I think he can be successful in Auburn. And yeah, he, I think he went three and two against Saban or maybe two and three. Um, but there is a dark cloud that will always follow Hugh Freeze. And I do believe in second chances, which he's obviously getting. Um, but I think once you show that you are a scumbag publicly, I think that scumbag can come out at any point. And I hope he doesn't do anything in terms of harming player safety or hit kids, which is in his past, uh, or bring in prostitutes to <laughs> sleep with recruits. Um, yeah, if he does it legally, I think he can win a bunch of games at Auburn. It's a great – I've talked about Auburn's atmosphere. It's one of the yeah. harder places to play when you get a night game there. Um, I think he's absolutely up for the challenge with Auburn's tough schedule you get every year. I'm going to give it a B plus. Um I think it was a good hire, no doubt. I don't think there's like that many names out there that I would have think that would have taken the Auburn job and do a good job. So I think it's a pretty good hire. I'll give it a B plus. Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin. Um, I think this is another A. I mean, I hate to give everything an A, but I mean, when I thought about who the Wisconsin was going to get, I mean, it was basically like a done deal. That um, what was the what was the defensive coordinator who's going to get promoted? I can't remember what his name was. Jim Leonard's. Yeah, Jim Leonard's. There we go. I knew it wasn't Jim Knowles. Yeah, Jim Leonard. I mean, it was basically like a foregone conclusion, but they said not so fast. Look, I think it was a great move by Fickle to get out of Cincinnati. I think he saw with the NIL. 
and with how much money that these big conferences are going to get, that he could probably no longer compete for a national championship. I think he really thought he could win one at Cincinnati, and once he realized he couldn't, it's time for him to go on and get out of there. And where did he go? Wisconsin. I mean, they're going to have a ton of money. They have a great fan base. This is a team that's known for it. Now he's probably going to bring more modern thinking to them and kind of in the other thing too, he knows that entire recruiting area and he's been recruiting out of it. So he's basically going to rip and replace everything that he has there at Wisconsin. I think it's a home run both ways. Yeah, this is the A plus for me. This is the best hire on the market. Um, he also is bringing over the Cincinnati strength and conditioning coach um, who's who was with him since day one at Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Go look at Cincinnati's draft prospects before and after Luke Fickle got there. This guy, the both of these guys coaching together know exactly how to build a program. I think this yep. is a home run hire. And honestly, if you were to rank the Big Ten jobs in terms of like biggest schools, best jobs, I think Wisconsin's number four. Yeah, for I Wisconsin's think, absolutely number four, no questions. I think Ohio State, Michigan, mm-hmm. whoever you want to put one and two, I think Penn State's three, and I think Wisconsin's yep. four. So I think this is a great job. I think it's a great location um, for Luke Fickle to succeed. And we, we listen, we know he's an unbelievable coach. Um, this next one is a little bit uh, more low profile, but it is interesting. He's now the youngest coach in Division One Power Five history. Kenny Dillingham, who obviously Florida State fans are going to know that name. He was the yep. former offensive coordinator at uh, uh, Florida State who came over when Mike Norvell was there. He then jumped ship and went to Oregon just for one season. Did great things with Bo Nix this year and probably helped out. Him and Dan Lanning seemed to work out pretty well together. They had a pretty good season at Oregon for a first-year head coach and a really young offensive coordinator. He now goes home and emphasize on the home. He's a Scottsdale native. He's going to Arizona State. I think this is a great hire for a program that is really in turmoil right now because of what Herm Edwards and that mm-hmm. staff did with the amount of recruiting violations. They now hire a guy who knows the area well, who's a young offensive-minded coach that has already proven to have some success. Um, I'm excited for this hire. I don't know if he's going to be successful or not. It's really tough being like a 36-year-old head coach, but I do think he's up for the challenge. I'm going to give this a B plus for Arizona State. The only reason it's not getting into A's for me is I don't know Arizona State's ceiling as a program. Yeah, I'm going to give it a B just because, you know, he hasn't coached yet, and we don't know that for Arizona State. Also, too, they're not really going to be sniffing any of that NIL money, so things could go south there for him quick. But I personally think Dillingham's a really good coach. And, I mean, if you notice, too, he's pretty good at developing quarterbacks. Look what he did for Jordan Travis. Look what he also did as well for Bo Nix. I mean – he basically made both from a broken quarterback to uh, almost to almost getting invited to the Heisman. I mean, shoot, if he doesn't get injured in that Washington game, he might be invited to the Heisman Trophy. Here's the big one: Matt Rule is coming back to college football. He's going to Nebraska. Nebraska is paying out his buyout for the Carolina Panthers. Essentially, um, I think he's starting out around eight to nine million a year. It goes all the way up for like years down the road to like twelve, thirteen million. Uh, he can be making a lot of money in Nebraska. Now, here's before you give your grade. Nebraska is a school that when you mostly talk to like older people than us, they say Nebraska can be this because this is what they were in the what was it, 70s or 80s or 90s? Mm-hmm. One of the I think 90s. Um the 90s was a long time ago, in case you can't do math. I don't know what Nebraska's ceiling it because is uh I don't think regionally. They're a powerhouse in any way. I don't think the state of Nebraska has a ton of like five stars that come out of it. But I do think Matt Rule is a good coach because he took Baylor 
not from the gutter, but he put Baylor on the map that Dave Aranda just kind of kept going. Can he do that at Nebraska again? Now, as a hire, if I had to give this grade, I would give this an A. Because I know he can coach. I know he can develop more than he's going to get the top recruits. But I don't know what Nebraska's ceiling is. Can Nebraska compete for the Big Ten championship? We know they can probably compete for a Big Ten West championship. The Big Ten West is terrible. Can he compete for Big Ten championships and playoffs? No, I just don't think Nebraska is that program anymore, Ben, to be honest with you. And, I mean, think about this, too. I think he's a damn good coach, but Nebraska is in the middle of nowhere. I mean, yes, Waco, Texas might be considered the middle of nowhere, Texas, but Texas is a hotbed for football talent. Nebraska is not the same, so he's going to have to pluck players from there. He's going to have to establish a recruiting trail and all this stuff that he didn't do while he's in the NFL coaching up. I mean, I think that he's going to be a good coach. He's going to win a lot of games, but I think that it's going to be a slow process for him to get this program back. I mean, they've been absolutely abysmal under Scott Frost. So, I mean, he's got a lot of work to do, that's for sure. For him to even – I think it's kind of like the Florida State thing. You know, if he gets his team bowl eligible by his third year, wins eight games, I think that's a W for Nebraska. Yeah, so Scott Frost was, a, if I'm remembering correctly, was a national championship winning quarterback at the University of Nebraska. He was. Wasn't that great at recruiting in terms of recruiting at a high school and at the transfer portal? Is anyone else going to be there? Are they just dead? We'll see if Matt Rule can turn it around. I think it's a good hire based on the name. I don't know what their ceiling is, though, so I tend to agree with you. Um, Last one here in terms of coaching. This isn't even a hire. David Shaw has resigned from Stanford. He was there for a long time. Tremendous amount of success at a school like Stanford. My question to you is, should Stanford go the route of, I've seen like, not for this job, but guys that could get back into the game, like Mm -hmm. a Blanco Mendenhall, who was at Virginia. Um, Very academic powerhouse school. Probably care more about academics than they do about athletics at Virginia. Definitely more basketball than football with, with the national championship success they've had in basketball. Stanford is that kind of way. Um, Tom Herman is a coach that hasn't coached in a long time, um, that had success at Texas. I mean, not a ton of success, but he did have success. Is Stanford an attractive job? Now it's an attractive place to live in Palo Alto, California. Is it an attractive job in your opinion? I don't think it is because you got to think about it this way, dude. Taxes and everything are so much more expensive when you live out there. Are they really going to shell out the money, you know, to pay you the big bucks? And on top of that, to pay your like the, your film guys and stuff. You know what I mean? Like those guys at Stanford's probably be like, yeah, we'll pay them 60K. Well, making 60K out there is like the equivalence to making like 30K. You know what I mean? Like, also, too, I heard I was listening to this one podcast. They were really talking about this job in depth. And they were saying, too, like, does Stanford even want to play football anymore? I think they ba- I think they don't allow the tree mascot on the field anymore. They did like something funky with like tailgating before games and stuff. Just feels like everything athletically is falling apart at this school and they just like don't even really care anymore about football it almost seems. I mean, David Shaw is arguably one of their best coaches they've ever had. They basically just let and him walk Harbaugh. out the door. Yeah, they had Harbaugh him, like they basically just let him walk out the door. It feels like everything's just like falling apart with their football program. In fairness though, he, they've really struggled the last several years. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if walk out the doors, right? Like he might be starting to get sick and tired of recruiting in this and they're terrible. Um, I'm interested. They have had in our, in our life, um, they have had some 
like unstoppable forces in college football. If you think about it, Andrew Luck was unstoppable. Um, Christian McCaffrey was unstoppable. Toby Gerhardt was unstoppable. What a legend. And Ty Montgomery was one of the best wide receiver slash special team players we had in college football. He was returning yeah. punts, kicks, and was a really good receiver. Like David Shaw and Harbaugh brought some dudes to Stanford. Um, also, didn't wasn't there an NFL quarterback that went to Stanford? Davis Mills. Did Davis Mills? I was going to say. And Tanner um, McKee's supposed to be the third best quarterback yeah. in this upcoming draft class. So they've put some NFL talent for a school. So I don't know. I, I, I'm interested to see who they hired because I think it's a fascinating job with the Pac-12 getting rid of UCLA and USC in a couple of years. Maybe Stanford can come back to the promised land. Um, let's, We'd love to see it. Let's stay in college uh, because okay. we only got two in, two, in the, uh, two in the NFL. Let's talk about the quarterback outlook for the 2022 draft. So let's first just kind of go through um, – uh, we'll start with Bryce Young. Um, are you? We'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep it on a scale of like you love this prospect for any team. Don't okay. don't. Uh, you love this prospect. You like this prospect. You're eh. Let's see what you can do. Okay, Bryce Young. I love this prospect. When I watch Bryce Young play, and the pocket collapses, or no wide receivers are open, he needs to buy time. He's able to do it with his legs and get outside of the pocket and make plays. It's almost like that. He keeps his eyes down the field, and it's like running is like his like backup backup plan. He'd rather just create time and still try to get people open. When I watch when I watch the way he plays and the way he runs around, he's very smart. You know, he doesn't really take big hits and stuff. I could definitely see, especially with the new rules they are. I know he's a smaller quarterback, but I could see Bryce Young easily being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL at some point in time. I like this prospect. I think he's an unbelievable, tremendous, best quarterback in Alabama mm-hmm. history, uh, elite college football player. Um, he, he's he got good arm strength. I think he's got great accuracy. I think he's got good arm strength, and he's obviously very small. Now, I don't I don't height shame if, if you've seen me in person. I, I'm <laughs> legally not allowed to height shame someone. Um, I'm worried about some of the hits that you can possibly take in the NFL. I think he's going to have to throw a decent amount of way, a decent amount of balls away because he doesn't have the speed like a Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts to run outside of the pocket and, and mm-hmm. scramble for, you know, the busted coverage plays, the 10, 15 yards. He doesn't run all that much. Um, so I like him. I, I think his arm accuracy is obviously elite. It's it's a, it's among the best in college football. Um, his IQ, I think, is what sets him apart. So how that can translate to the NFL with if you know if he goes to the first quarterback taken, you're probably going to have a bad offensive line. He's got to get everyone on the same page. Him and the coach have to be on the same page. So I like uh, Bryce Young as a prospect. Um, let's go to C.J. Stroud next. I'm iffy on CJ Stroud. I mean, I'm not trying to say he's not a good player and he's not going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. I'm definitely not trying to say that. I just think if you're drafting CJ Stroud and you think that he's going to be the franchise, like changing player, like Justin Herbert or like Tua, you know what I mean? Like that kind of guy. I don't know if he's that kind of guy. I mean, I think that he's more like a Kenny Pickett type of quarterback where he's got to go to the right fit and be in a good system because, I mean, that game against Michigan, that was probably the best defense that he's played all season long. Actually, it was 100% the best defense he played all season long, and Notre Dame was the second best. 
he did not look that great in those games. I mean, it was like after that his first second read wasn't open. It wasn't, you know, like I got to create something or, you know, I got to find somebody else. It was kind of like he panicked and just threw the ball away. Basically, I didn't see out of him what I wanted to see. And I mean, he lost the two biggest games of his entire college career. So, I mean, CJ Stroud, I think if you're using a top 10 pick on him, I don't think that he's going to be the guy you think you're getting. Yeah, I am. uh in the prove me wrong camp for CJ Stroud, to be honest with you, I think he's a, I think he's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think he's a very forgettable Ohio state quarterback. If you're an Ohio state fan, I'll tell you that. Um, I don't know if there's anything he does that wows me. Same. I don't think he's got the greatest arm strength in anyone in college football. Don't think he's the best arm accuracy in college football. Don't think he's the best legs for quarterback. And I know for a fact he's not the smartest quarterback. Um, I think he can be good. Obviously, his skills are all there. But I I don't know in terms of being a franchise quarterback. um, He's obviously going to go very high. Hendon Hooker, keep in mind he's 25 years old, coming off his best season, tore his ACL. He won't be 26, maybe 26 and a half by the time, if he even gets his first chance. Probably a wait and see. I think Hinden Hooker's a uh, third day kind of pick, man. Yeah. I think he's probably like a two p.m. I'm taking a nap kind of pick. What about you? Well, Le- yeah, I'm I'm the same as you. Uh, Will Levis from Kentucky. Man, I mean, keep in more. He keep in mind he's six foot four, two hundred and thirty mm-hmm. pounds, and he's athletic. He's got a strong arm. I don't know. I think Will Levis definitely won't be ready to play right away. I think, though, he's got to be drafted to a team that can develop a quarterback because, I mean, he has potential to be one of those guys, but he also has potential to be absolutely awful and out of the NFL by the time his rookie contract's over. So I'd, I'd say I like Will Levis, but I'm not in love with him. Yeah, I'm the wait and prove it camp um, with Will Levis. I think physically it's all there. Um I think oftentimes when he plays up against good defenses, I think he plays like an idiot. I've seen him throw into triple coverage several times. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen him just last year. He used to just chuck random deep balls up and hope Wondell Robinson could outrun someone. You don't really have like that much of a speed difference in the NFL. Everyone is flying around the field. I think physically he's good. I think he might get compared to a Josh Allen where his uh, you know, arm strength is all there. His arm accuracy needs something to prove he is the big frame. Uh, I'm not comparing him to Josh Allen. I just think Same. he's a big white, I just think he's a big white quarterback that can work on arm accuracy. <laughs> um I think he's gonna be drafted higher than what I expect his expectations to turn out to be. Here's an interesting one talking about big body frame quarterbacks. If you're Anthony Richardson, are you declaring for the draft or are you coming back for one more year? Because it is very obvious that he could improve for one more year. Well, I will restrict my statement that Anthony Richardson is Felipe Franks before he realizes he needs to be a tight end. I think Anthony Richardson should come back for one more year. He improved a lot as the season went on as a passer. And I mean, his legs and everything, he's an absolute beast running the ball, Ben. I think if I'm him, I'd play one more year and then come out. I mean, even if he goes to the league, I still think he's worth drafting in the second or third round, but he's going to have to sit for at least a season. But I mean, I, I like his, I like what he's got. He, I think he absolutely needs to come back um, for another year. I don't think he's even close to being ready. Uh, Bo Nix. Bo Nix will be drafted in, in case you, in case anyone wants to make fun of Bo Nix, because we made fun of him a lot. You can't make fun of that guy anymore. He had a great year. 
Yeah, I think Bo Nix is definitely uh, you know, third day, 2 p.m. nap kind of guy, but he's definitely drafted. Uh, two more. Uh, I'll save your guy for last. Dorian Thompson Robinson. Probably, I, probably, probably nothing, right? I think he's a no, I think honestly, I think he's like a seventh or he's like a sixth or seventh round kind of guy. And I mean, he's intriguing, you know, like I would love him backing up Kyler Murray. He can come in there and do the same things that he can do. If I have a running quarterback, I would love him to be my backup quarterback and back him up kind of like the Ravens do with Tyler Huntley. You know what I mean? If your quarterback gets hurt, you don't have to rip and replace your whole system. You just put in the same guy. Yeah, I mean, I think DTR has got a little game, you know, I'm not going to say that he's going to be a guy in the NFL, but I think he can play. You're 20. Well, let's see. Next year in college football would be 2023. You're 2023. Early Ben Gorowitz Heisman Trophy winner, Jordan Travis. He should come back, don't you think? Absolutely. I think he will come back, too. I think he's absolutely a dark horse to win the Heisman. With his running ability, with his decision-making improving, um, other than Bo Nix, probably improving the second most in the country. Um, He throws a deep ball now. Uh, Florida State finally has a pretty good offensive line. I think it can get better. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But uh, for what Norvell was uh, coaching the first two years, I think Jordan Travis is going to have a great, great senior season next year. Um, I think the overall theme for the quarterbacks for me is I don't really love any of them uh, in terms of NFL ability. Yeah. I think it's an v- extremely weak quarterback class. Like I-, I think it's like one of the weakest we've seen, to be honest with you. No, nah, I'm 100% with you on that. There's three guys in the I mean, NFL we're talking, right now. We're that talking be- top we're talking top three of Bryce Young, Will Levis, and CJ Stroud. Yeah, the top, the ne- next next year's big three blows this one out of the water for sure. I will say though, I mean, we don't, we, I don't want to get into it on this podcast as we have a lot more to talk about. But I mean, I would like to just in the future, I want to talk. I mean, like if we think Max Duggan, Stetson Bennett, any of those guys can get drafted, I still think yeah, Duggan so, has a chance. So Duggan, the only reason I left him out was I, I, I think he's like a hundred percent going to come back for another year. Okay. Um, I thought Richardson was was a maybe. I think NFL scouts are going to love his size and maybe maybe take a chance on him. But uh, I think Duggan definitely comes back. Yeah, I get. I didn't even realize he had another year of eligibility because he's been around for so long. But I forget how funky his eligibility. No, you're yeah, you're right think, though. He does have another year. Yeah. I just looked it up. Same thing with uh with Travis. Like I didn't even realize until two or three games in the season, Travis had another year to come back. It's because all this funky stuff with the eligibility. What do you think about Stetson Bennett? Is he going to be drafted? Um, I mean, Jake Fromm got drafted, didn't he? That's what I'm saying. Stetson Bennett, I Stetson, think, is a, I Stetson's think he's a final Fromm. round. Yeah, Stetson's better than Fromm. So if Fromm got drafted, I'm gonna say yes, even though Fromm's graded as like the worst NFL quarterback of all time. Yeah, exactly. I de- let's put it this way: I definitely think Stetson Bennett has a chance of making an NFL roster. Last one in college, and two quick ones in the NFL. All right, guys, we are we back after a quick break. Ben, take us back away. We did forget about Spencer Rattler, uh, real quick on him. Yeah, um, Spencer Rattler, I think he should come back for another year, but honestly, yeah, I same. think he might get drafted higher than some of these other guys. I mean, he's proven that he can put the talent on the field. He's just, I don't know, it's just very inconsistent. I, I would come back for him. He doesn't have a lot of great film in terms of his college resume. On, I think the last two weeks are great, but I would come back. Um, yeah, so last, last, uh, topic. So just for this year, would a 
12 team playoff be fun because you think everyone has a chance? Or do you think it's not that necessary because we can't even name four great teams? I think a 14 playoff would be more fun. I think the teams are a little bit more even now than they have been in the past, just because of the fact, you know, that uh, of NIL and whatnot. But I mean, who's to say Texas, you know, can't show up on any given Saturday and, you know, take down, uh, take down Michigan. You know, Texas but I, wouldn't be in the top 12. No, nah, they probably wouldn't. But, you know, I'm just throwing out here figuratively. You know what I mean? Like who's your team say, would be. Yeah. Florida State definitely would be in the top 12. You know, I, I think the top I think a top 12 playoff would be pretty fun. You know, I think that like I think that the games could be competitive depending on how the seating is set up and stuff. You know, I think it would be a lot more competitive than it would be in the past. Like I think if Florida State played Georgia, you know, we'd probably be catching 24 points on a neutral and probably be able to keep it into inside that number, you know, so. I, uh. It'll be interesting. So obviously this will come out after the, the playoff uh, committee announces their final rankings tonight. So this is very clear cut for Alabama. If Alabama is five, they need USC to lose. Mm-hmm. If Alabama is six, their season's over. That's all I'll talk about for Alabama. We can move on. Um, let's do the two NFL topics you've had. Um, Brandon Staley. So both of these were from you. Brandon Staley turned a corner in his decision-making, according to you. He didn't go for it on a couple fourth and shorts and then went went for another two-pointer to win the game, which has been a very common theme, by the way. Yeah, I was proud of Brandon Staley, honestly, you know? Like, I, I got to give him some credit, man, because we've I've ripped him so many times on this podcast. I want to give him credit where credit's due. I watched that entire game. In the fourth quarter, there was multiple fourth and twos and fourth and shorts where I was like, Brandon Staley, you got to go for this. And what do you know? Even Herbert stood out there for a quick second, think they were go for it. He trotted on there the punting unit, and I was like, dang, this game, they're never your defense never going to get the stop. What do you know? They got the ball back. They drove down the field, and then what did they do? He went for two, and he got it. I thought that Brandon Staley put his balls on the table and he got the game done. Like you could even tell almost like a podcast I was listening to too. Like they ran through um, on the numbers, like the analytics, what he should have done in those situations. And there was multiple of them where the analytics would have even told him to go for it. And he didn't go for it. That is insane. When we're talking Brandon Staley. Learn from your L's learn from your losses. Um, I think going for two is a strategy we're going to see going forward. I think we might even see bring back what Chip Kelly used to do in college. You score the first touchdown of the game. I think he. I think teams could go for two from there. I think the Chiefs could do it. Uh, who cares? The Chiefs are up six zero. I don't think they care. Not um, one bit. This, this last one is an interesting one. Is going all in for Super Bowl worth it if it means dismantling your chances of competing for Super Bowl in the near future? Now, this it's easy to me. The answer is yes. And for me, obviously, like a good example of this is the Rams. Um, on the opposite side, I think a good reason is the Falcons. Um, the Falcons made the Super Bowl, but I don't know if they went all in for it. I think they were just having a great year. Mm-hmm. I think if they went all in with their play calling a little bit more aggressive in the second half of that Super Bowl, like think about it. Matt Ryan would 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 already be a Hall of Famer. He would have an MVP and he would have Super Bowl, top mm-hmm. 10 in passing yards, all these passing stats uh, or passing records. The Falcons lost the Super Bowl and then took a massive leap back and became one of the worst teams in football. They stayed relevant because they kept losing and losing and losing. The Rams won the Super Bowl, had to get rid of some players. Some players retired. Some players got injured. 
But as much as you want to make fun of the Rams, Sean McVay just wiggles his finger and say, look at what I got here, right? Mm-hmm. Once you're a champion, you're a champion forever, unless you're the Louisville basketball team, according to the NCAA record books. But, <laughs> like, the answer to me is an easy yes. I'd be curious, like, if you had a no, I'd love to debate it, but I have a feeling you're saying yes. As a Falcons fan, I would 150% take being the worst team in the NFL for the next 10 years for one Super Bowl. I would give anything yeah. for the Falcons to have that Super Bowl. Like, I mean, when you look at the Rams at this point, Allen Robinson just got added to the IR today. Aaron Donald has a high ankle sprain on NFL Network around 2 p.m. every day. They have a uh, actual, like, doctor come on to discuss all the injuries. He said when you have a high ankle sprain that, like, the minimum return time is two weeks. And he's like, and if you come back from two weeks and it's, like, not a serious one. So Aaron Donald's even going to miss time. At this point in time, the Rams Stafford's are done for the year. Yeah, the probably. Rams are the worst team in the NFL. I mean, Cooper Cup's done for the year. Everybody's done no, for the year. Not the not the worst team. <laughs> Uh, okay, sorry. Besides the Texans, they are. I mean, they don't have any draft picks for like the next three years. Basically. Broncos. I would. The Rams are worse than the Broncos. I would bet the, if I if these two oh. teams, bro, it's Bryce Perkins playing quarterback in the NFL. Like we watched it's, him. Pl- we watched him Russell play. Russell Wilson play. Have you seen <laughs> Russell Wilson? <laughs> it's Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, big. You don't have to sell me, man, on that one. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think the I Panthers think that, are horrible too. I, you know, like I wouldn't be shocked, honestly, to see Sean McVay leave the Rams after this season's over. I mean, this team's going to be terrible again next year's the thing. All their money's tied up in a couple of players. I think if I'm the Rams, I tear it down and make a bunch of trades. If McVay wants out, let him go. But I mean, that's what I would do. Sounded man. like I, he sounded like he was going to be out when Aaron Donald says he's out. So probably, I think Aaron Donald's probably next I mean, year. I, I could After see, though, year. like Aaron Donald, you know, if they were like, hey, Aaron, like we just had the Chiefs call and they want to trade for you. I think Aaron Donald would play another year and try to run it with Patrick Mahomes and get a ring. I think if a if a true like like if the if the Rams really because, I mean, bro, the Rams have no draft picks and they got to build this team back up somehow. If the Rams can clean house and get first round picks for Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Stafford, all the guys, I think they're going to clean house for sure. So, you know, I think if the, someone – you know, if I'm Aaron Donald and I'm going to go play for the Chiefs or the Bengals or, you know, one of these teams that's, you know, as a Super Bowl contender that season, I'll probably go do it, you know? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Um, that was pretty much all I had. I'll go real quick through – or is there anything you want me to add? No, that was all I had as well. Real quick, I went three and two in college. You went two and three in college. I went one and one in the NFL. You went two and two in the NFL. I will recap that again and give you our overall record, which is, by the way, but I thought I went out. two and zero oh on podcast picks for NFL. You went two and zero oh in the NFL. Oh, I thought you said two and two. No, I went one and one. You went two and zero. Oh. Okay. Um, our overall record, which I will give out on Thursday, significant bump. From what I asked for, we're looking good. Hey, that's what I like to hear, Ben. The boys are winning. Um, shout out Ben on Twitter. I don't know if y'all saw or not. He was saying that he uh stuck to his discipline and uh, look what's happened for him this year in the NFL. It's no, I good... need I need to stick. I need to stick to. Oh, I thought you were discipline. saying you did stick to your discipline. No, but... in 2023, I'm sticking to straight bets only, mixed with maybe a teaser. Because here's the thing: now I'm I whatever the record was, you know, in, in my action network, I only put straight bets. I'm up like six, seven units in the NFL or whatever, whatever I tweeted. And then you look at overall and down money. Well, it's because of the, the damn parlays and teasers I keep taking. So straight bets and I'm going to win money. Yeah. Um, one thing that I always tell people is there's a reason why that Vegas loves to, or like you'll even see FanDuel DraftKings tweet out 
look at this crazy parlay that this person hit. You know what I mean? There's a reason why that they send out those crazy parlays people hit because they want people to take them. And there's a reason why they keep their lights, their lights on at night. That's all I'm going to say. There's a reason why Vegas keeps the lights on. On that note, guys, we will be back Thursday. It's going to be a massive podcast. It is championship week in college football. We're going to be picking for y'all every single championship game. There's some huge matchups in the NFL, including McDaniel versus Shanahan. Um, Going to be a great podcast, guys. Everybody tune in. We'll talk to y'all again soon. Peace.